Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we get into the stories, I need to give a warning for story number four for child abuse. I just wanted to let you all know before we get into the stories. As always, if any of you want to share your own story, you can send it at southerncannibal.com. Without any more interruptions, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always... Stay hungry. I'm a 19-year-old female. During my second year of college, I had a distressing encounter on my way home. The routine was simple. A 20-minute bus ride. A walk through a narrow path to reach a set of railway tracks. And then waiting on the opposite side for my brother to pick me up. My mother had always warned me to be careful about this spot, a known hangout for substance abusers, though I'd never encountered anyone out of the ordinary. One day, as I walked in my usual waiting spot, I noticed a guy probably in his mid to late 20s glancing at me and something further away while walking off. I found it to be strange, but I dismissed it. Arriving in my waiting spot, I realized I was alone. It didn't raise alarms because it was during the period when things were gradually returning to normal after the COVID-19 pandemic. Minutes passed and I heard an unsettling sound. A cough, despite no one else being around. I turned to find a man probably in his late 30s or early 40s behind a secluded pillar dressed too well to be a typical troublemaker. To my horror, he was now engaged in pleasuring himself clearly wanting me to witness it. Shocked and frozen, I didn't know what to do. My boyfriend at the time and I were in a long-distance relationship, and none of my friends lived close by either. Desperate for help, I texted my ex-boyfriend who worked in the building right in front of me. We were on good terms, or so I thought. His response shocked me. Why are you asking me for help? I'm not your boyfriend anymore. Go ask your current boyfriend. Feeling truly helpless by my ex's unexpected response, I could still see the man in my peripheral vision continuing in his inappropriate behavior, all while maintaining an uncomfortable gaze upon me. Summoning my courage, I decided to move forward, walking towards a spot where other people were present, seeking safety. In retrospect, I wish I had taken a video of him in the act to serve as evidence and reported the incident to the police. However, my initial shock prevented rational thinking. Despite continuing the same route, I never encountered that man again. It dawned on me that the first guy had probably seen the indecent act but chose to silently walk away, leaving me to deal with the unsettling situation alone. My heart goes out to the family of that creepy man. What if they don't know anything about his malicious acts and consider him the best son, husband, or father, all while he lurks behind the shadows? For a bit of context, I need to explain how transportation works in the area where I live. So, where I live, the public transportation is absolute shit. There's only one not very reliable public bus that takes you in and out of the residential area and is a long way walking. So the people in this residential area came up with a cab sort of system where you pay by the seat. So one of these cabs fits up to four people 
And a little under a year ago, they decided to identify these cabs with a sticker with a number that states the car as part of the cab line. Also, the drivers have to have an ID that has the cab line info. Now on to the story. A couple of times, men have tried to give me a ride. I do my best to ignore them, but sometimes it's a little scary. The part of the residential area where I live is a little bit isolated, so not a lot of cars or people go through there, and I have to walk alone from my house to the cab line slash bus stop. And one opportunity a couple of months ago, I was walking from my house to the stop, and I was wearing headphones, so I wasn't paying that much attention. That was the first mistake on my part, and a car pulled over next to me. This wasn't all that strange because I had been using this cab line for a while, and a lot of the drivers know me, and if they see me, they pull over so I don't have to walk all the way to the stop. The driver then said, Hey, are you going to a place of destination? I said yes, and I got inside the car without even checking the windshield for the ID number. Second mistake on my part. Here is where alarms started going off in my head. First, the cars in the line tend to be older cars with no AC. And this was a newer car. And when I got in, it locked the doors and turned on the AC. It was at this point I realized that this wasn't one of the cabs, but a complete stranger. He began to ask me things like my name, exactly where I lived, and other personal things. I responded very vaguely with my heart beating really fast. I was starting to panic, so I texted a friend my location and I told him to call me ASAP. At this point, we were close to the destination and the guy wasn't slowing down the car and was about to pass the stop. Then the call came through and I started to talk to my friend like he was my boyfriend. Hey baby, I'm almost there. Just wait for me and then we'll go, okay? My friend was really confused, but when the man heard my conversation, he suddenly stopped the car, then saying, Sorry, I was so entertained talking to you that I almost passed the stop. Maybe we could see each other again sometime. Then he unlocked the car, and I bolted out, barely even saying anything. After that day, I became much more aware of my surroundings and I tend to only get inside the cabs in the stop unless I clearly see the ID of the car. A couple of my friends said that I was overreacting, but still, it scared the shit out of me. Then today comes. I was walking from my house to the stop, no headphones in this time, and when I'm halfway there, a car starts driving very slowly next to me. I keep on walking, and this older man that was driving starts talking to me. Hey, are you Alicia's daughter? Do you live around here? I responded with, no I'm not, and I keep on walking. He just insisted saying he was a neighbor and that he could give me a ride. I replied again that I wasn't and that I didn't want the ride. Mind you, my mom wasn't called that and has been dead for over a decade and my grandma that people sometimes confuse to be my mom is also not called that either. He kept insisting, and I began walking faster, approaching the stop where there were more people. It was at this point that this man became angry and started to yell, saying this was the last time he would be nice to me and offer me a ride. He then sped up and finally left. That's when I got to the stop to get inside the cab that left me at my destination. 
When I got to work, I had told my boss all about that encounter, and she said to me, Thank God you kept on walking, or you probably could have been kidnapped. So yeah, that was my morning. I really need a car. When I was nine, I went to the beach with my grandma and my two dogs, a lab mix and a boxer mix. The hotel room I was staying in was on the ground floor, meaning that I had a glass door from the living room that faced the lawn and patio area. One afternoon, my grandma and I went down to the beach. For reference, you had to walk down an extremely long pier to get to the stairs that led to the beach, and next to those stairs was a deck where you could sit and watch the beach. As I was walking down, holding my boxer mix on a lead while my grandma had the lab mix, a chihuahua hopped out on the deck area, startling my boxer. The couple sitting there was an old one, and I remember the old man was wearing a red Hawaiian shirt. My grandma did small talking with them, and I really just wanted to go to the beach, and my dog seemed on edge, but I just assumed it was because of the chihuahua. After playing on the beach for a while, I made friends with a girl my age who was also staying at my hotel and went to the same preschool as me. After my dogs had finally started to get tired of playing, I had made plans to hang out with that girl that very same night, and we left for our room. When the sun had set and I had picked up the game Twister from the lobby, my grandma went to sit out on the deck overlooking the beach with my lab while the boxer stayed with me. I walked up to the third floor and I got my friend from her room before we went back to my room. It was dark now, but the hallways were well lit. When we got into my room, my friend and I started playing Twister. But a couple of minutes after we started the game, my boxer had started barking at the glass door, which spooked us. Since the lights were off on the patio, we couldn't see anything, but I did check anyways. I didn't see anything when I looked out the window, so I assumed there was just a dog outside. To calm my dog down, I had asked my friend to go grab a treat for her. As we grabbed a treat, my dog had peed all over the mat on the game. Looking back, the barking and the ping on the game was a huge red flag, as my dog never did those things, and she had already been out to use the bathroom right before this. Since our game night was now ruined, my friend went back to the room after helping me clean up the mess as best as I could. I didn't have a phone back then, so I decided to walk out to the pier so I could tell my grandma about the mess. As I walked past the patio area to get to the pier's entrance, I saw the same old lady from before with her chihuahua. She was sitting with five other people, and there were a ton of beer cans, but the old man from earlier wasn't there. I didn't really care because it didn't matter. I started walking down the pier, and it was now pitch black, and there was no lighting, so I had all of my focus on where I was going. I was really afraid of the dark back then, and I still kind of am now and I just had this sense of dread. I felt like I was being followed, but I just chalked it up to being afraid of the dark. I did start to walk faster though, and I refused to look back because I wanted to prove to myself that I could brave the darkness. As I reached the end of the pier where the deck was, my lab popped out and started barking aggressively. 
I thought that I had spooked her, so I knelt down and pet her. But when I sat down next to my grandma, she had then told me something that made my stomach drop. There was a man behind me when my lab had started barking. The same man wearing a red Hawaiian shirt. Needless to say, I was freaked out. But my grandma just said that he probably just had too much to drink and mistook me for someone else. And that my dog made him come back to his senses. I didn't fully believe this, but it at least gave me an explanation to help calm myself down. I never saw that couple or their friends again, and I definitely closed the curtains to the patio at night. I still wonder what would have happened if my dog didn't pop out and scare that guy, or if my grandma wasn't on the deck but down on the beach. But the thought that scares me the most is what if I had turned around or slowed down on the pier? Who knows what could have happened to me? This may be a long one with a brief description of a few encounters. Here goes. Here's a bit of background about myself in order for you to understand why I did a few. For the record, I'm 27 years old today, and I'm a female. My mom and dad got a divorce when I was 7 years old. Not the trigger here as a divorce is so common these days. But in the same year, not even a month after, my mom got in a relationship with another guy. Let's call him Sergeant. Now, I know a lot will speculate that Sergeant and my mom had an affair, and that is the reason that she and my dad split up. But that wasn't the case, as my mom and dad weren't together for a long time before they got divorced. You see, my dad was abusive towards my mom and sister. My sister Tanya is nine years older than me, making me the literal baby of the family. So I never got abused by my dad. But one day Tanya wrote my mom a letter that if my mom didn't leave my dad, she'd kill herself. I also want to mention that she was 15 at the time. My mom immediately moved out of my dad's place and into another home with me and my sister, in effect leaving him but not divorcing him. Back to one year later when mom and sergeant got together and she and my dad got a divorce. Sergeant was in the military. He lived in another city that was approximately 236 miles away from my family's hometown. He would come visit my mom every weekend, buy her flowers, and you know, just be the perfect guy she never had. Well, when I was nine, my mom moved Tanya and I away from our town and into the house of Sergeant. This was the final school year for Tanya, and she would now have to move to another school. So yeah, it was tough, and she really kept busy most of the time trying to catch up with schoolwork and making friends. Because of the major age gap, Tanya and I never got along. I was the typical little sister trying to be friends with my sister, and she would always push me away, sometimes even making things up that I did just to get me in trouble so that I would just leave her alone. She would, for example, taunt me, and whenever I retaliated, she would run to Sergeant and tell him and my mom that I was being a brat and being super disrespectful. I would then get in trouble even though I didn't initiate the fight. This would happen often, until she left to go study. So yeah, back to the punishment when I got in trouble. You see, my mom had never dished out punishment. She left that up to Sergeant and he would hit you on the bum until your bum was blue and red with swelling. I think one time his grip slipped, and he actually landed a blow on my back. You may wonder what the hell he used to hit me with. 
Well, it was the regular old belt, and sometimes one of those chain-link belts. Sergeant wasn't fit to be a parent. He didn't have any kids of his own, and the only discipline he knew was what he was taught in the military. He was the typical guy. You have to put the toilet paper on the roll and fold the tip into the triangle. No light must be left on if the room isn't being used. And whenever something is asked of you, you're expected to immediately drop everything and obey. And by everything, I mean everything. Even if, say, for example, you were doing some business in the toilet. He also didn't want anything to be out of place. Anyway, I would get punished immediately each time Tanya would tell on me without question. When I tried to explain my side, I would get hit even harder and then more times when I was then being told I may not talk back. So yeah, eventually I completely drew back into my shell, and I didn't really speak to my sister at all anymore, even if she came to me and tried to coax out a reaction from me. After Tanya left for studies, I was around 10 at this time, and Sergeant couldn't use her tattles to punish me anymore, so he got creative. When I forgot the bathroom light on, he would drag me from my room by my hair to the bathroom, yell at me, and then start hitting me. When I would leave a toy out, he would hit me. When I would do basically anything that wasn't up to his standards, he would hit me. Now, I would complain to my mom, but she would always tell me that I asked for it, that I was out of line and he was disciplining me. So yeah, I eventually stopped talking to my mom as well. So right around the time when I was 12, I was still getting hit by Sergeant, and I got emotionally shut down. By this stage, Sergeant and my mom had gotten married. I no longer felt the pain, as I started smoking in secret, and I would start looking at Sergeant in the eyes when he hit me, refusing to show pain and not crying when he was hitting me. This would piss him off even more, and the beatings at this stage got even more intense, so much so that I started bleeding one time. But still, I would refuse to cry, refuse to say a word, and just look him in the eye while he was hitting me. At some stage, Sergeant and my mom found out that I was smoking, and then obviously I would get beaten even more. But I never stopped. I tried to hide it, and sometimes they would smell the smoke on me, and then the hitting started again. This cycle was until I was 14. Then Sergeant got tired of not getting anything out of the beatings, so he started verbally abusing me instead, saying things like, You're really fucked up. No wonder your mom doesn't love you. I, as usual, didn't show emotion. Now keep in mind, I wasn't even a problem child. I didn't sneak out and drink. I never went to parties. I didn't do drugs. Hell, I didn't even have sex until I was 22. Cigarettes were the only bad thing that I did and it was a coping mechanism. I was a quiet child, always in my room, never spoke to my mom, sister, or sergeant, because it felt like the three of them had made some kind of pact to make my life hell. For example, while sergeant and my mom were still only dating, which I think I was around eight at the time, I cried about something, like full-on cry with snot running out of my nose and everything. My mom and Tanya laughed at me and said nasty things that I can't even recall. Then my mom grabbed a sock and stuffed it in my mouth. I can't recall if she put tape over it or if she held my hands back or why, but I couldn't get the sock out of my mouth. I just remember that I couldn't breathe, 
and I couldn't get the sock out. I remember getting more frantic, and the more frantic I got, the less I could breathe, and the more Tanya and my mom would laugh at me. So yeah, back to when I was 12, I really saw my family as the enemy, and I locked myself away in my room to try and stay safe. My dad and I still saw each other every school vacation, and since he was 380 kilometers away, I couldn't go on weekends. He was super nice to me, and at this stage, the only good thing in my eyes going for me. I told him all about Sergeant's beatings, and my dad actually did threaten Sergeant at some point to stop hitting me, but Sergeant didn't stop, and eventually, I stopped complaining to my dad. I mean, what is the use? My mom has custody, and she isn't stopping Sergeant. Sergeant's abuse, both verbal and sometimes physical, continued until I was 17. Then he got a job overseas, and he would come home for short periods of time, and during that time, I would go stay at friends or family. But the thing is, even though Dad never hit me or verbally abused me, I still felt empty. He would always only want to know how Tanya's doing. Remember, he did abuse Tanya and Mom, so Tanya never visited or saw my dad for years. I think five years after the divorce. My dad realized that he really messed up with abusing them, and he didn't repent and never again abused anyone in his life after that. He also said he was sorry, and he did show remorse. But every time I would visit him, remember, this is my safe haven at this stage, but he wouldn't give me any attention. He would just talk about Tanya, go out to clubs, and socialize with his friends. He would take me with him to the bars, as he didn't have any sitters, and he would then just push money in my hands and say go buy sweets or keep yourself busy. So yeah, that's my little family dynamic. So let's get into the shady stuff now. 1. Remember, I started smoking at age 12. Well, when I was at my dad's and he handed me money to go buy sweets, I went to go buy cigarettes instead. I think I was 13 then. Anyway, I went to a store about one kilometer away from the bar he was at. I ran into a shady character on my way there. He kept following me from the opposite side of the street. The walk to the shop was dark as a few of the street lights were off. I walked faster, but the stranger kept pace. Less than a block from the shop, the stranger crossed the road and came up to me. This guy came up to me and asked me for directions on a dark street. I told him that I didn't know the place that he was referring to, and he then kept insisting that I go with him and that I show him around. After what felt like forever, I pointed to the store, and I then said I was needed at that store, that I can't stand here much longer or otherwise people will wonder why I'm not at the store yet. He just said okay, no worries, and walked away. I then went to the store, bought my cigarettes, and started my journey back to the bar to where my dad was. This time, however, I kept an eye out, but I didn't see the man again. When I was right in front of the bar, the same man stepped out of nowhere, this time being more forceful that I go with him and show him where the place is. I think it was a motel that he was looking for. I told him that I don't know and that my dad is right inside. I then pointed to the bar and that he'll definitely know if he wants to ask him instead. But he didn't make one move to go towards the bar. Right when I started panicking, someone came out of the bar door 
drawing this man's attention away from me. That's when I then booked it inside the bar to go to my dad. I didn't tell my dad about the encounter, as I didn't want to get in trouble for going to buy cigarettes. Anyway, about half an hour later, this guy comes into a bar with a buddy of his, and they just have a drink, both eyeing me. I ended up staying attached to my dad's hip for the whole rest of the night, and those strangers never did approach me or my dad again. This happened back in 2020. I'm a female, and I was 19 years old at the time. My mom used to be a baker, and she needed some chocolates for decoration. Since my siblings were asleep, my mom had asked me to get some from the nearby shop. As it was close by, I thought I'd just walk. Most of the shops that I went to were closed due to an ongoing strike. Unfortunately, I was unaware of it and the ones that were open didn't have the brand of chocolate that my mom wanted. Due to the strike, the place had really looked like a ghost town, with not a soul in sight. I was determined, though, to get that chocolate, so I walked a bit further but still had no luck. Then finally, I decided to head home. I could reach home either by a long route or a short one. Since the short route includes trespassing through the neighbor's property, I chose the long route, mainly because I didn't want to cause any inconvenience to them. As I was walking, a van with two men passed me and stopped right in the middle of the road, just a couple of meters ahead of me. I didn't think much of it because I assumed they might be lost and looking for directions. Suddenly, the man sitting in the passenger seat stuck his head out of the window, turned back, and then looked at me. His gaze moved in a way that he examined me from head to toe. He then gave me a creepy smile and sat back. Since it seemed harmless, I just brushed it off and continued walking. As I was about to reach the back of the van, the driver did the exact same thing as the guy in the passenger seat. He stuck his head out the window, turned back to look at me, and sat back, all while smiling very creepily. That's when my alarm bell started to ring, and I quickly moved away from there. Fortunately, this happened right beside the short route. I immediately changed my direction and started walking towards the short route, which was a narrow path. As soon as they noticed me taking a different route, they sped off. I was quite shaken up by this, especially by the fact that they sped off the very moment I took the short route. I'm not sure what they were planning to do with me, but considering the area looked pretty deserted and I'm lightweight, I would have been an easy target for abduction or something worse. Thanks to my obsession with true crime podcasts, I reacted quickly. Otherwise, I might not have been here to type this out. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. What if they were really lost and just wanted to ask for directions? Because I've had several people ask me that. Well, even if they wanted to ask for directions, they could have when I reached the back of the van because I was hardly a few meters away from them, but they chose to stare at me with a creepy smile instead. I'll never forget the way that they looked at me. It was as if a predator was eyeing its prey. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, 
to always.